You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Greetings to all of you planeswalkers and spellcasters from all different parts of the multiverse. It is great to see that you have walked in to join us here on another episode of Draft and Draft. My name is Corey, your limited lore master and denizen of this local fine establishment. And joining me as always, he's more than a 2-2 two, two for 2. He's a dude that can make you a bear-tending bugaloo kind of martini that's going to make you go rar. This his name is Borok. Borok, how are we doing today? Yeah, I'm not sure what I said either, but we're going to move swiftly on. Today's topic is from our last episode. We were breaking down different planes throughout time, all the revisited different planes in the multiverse and see how they changed over time. But now today, we're going to take a look at the plane of Theros and see how its original run versus its current run differs and what those differences might tell us about the way that magic looks here today. But before we get into it, few bits of housekeeping. This podcast is brought to you, as always, by the Believe Podcast Network. Check them out at Believe, B-L-E-A-V dot com for content around the multiverse from sports to lifestyle, entertainment, Magic the Gathering, and more. And of course, if you are listening to this at all, this is a call to action. We love to hear you engage with the show. Check us out on Twitter, Draft and Draft Corey. You can find me on my Patreon, Draft and Draft, and MTG Podcast, or even look me up on Instagram, my full name, Corey Demone Enriquez. For more information, get the community rolling, and we're going to have ourselves a great time here in the Unlucky Lounge. Well, the housekeeping is done the sorcerer's broom is put back into the conjurer's closet and so we are going to talk about the plane of theros yes theros is significant for multiple reasons not only is it the top-down flavor design of old greek and roman myths not only is it an enchantment based block plane that really gives a different feel than a lot of other planes do in the way that it plays out, but also it is now a return set. Ever since Theros Beyond Death dropped, I couldn't help but think about how this set compares to the old Theros set. You see, before I started to work on a cruise ship, the original Theros block was my last real deep dig into Magic the Gathering, and now that one journey 
on a cruise ship ends and another one begins, it really makes me think more deeply about how these two sets resonate so well with each other, how they connect, but also how they contrast. And today on our episode, we're going to look at these contrasting, these comparative marks, and see how the plane of Theros measures up with all the other iconic planes that are out there that we have seen more than once. But before we get into this breakdown, this showdown between original Theros and Theros Beyond Death, we have to live up to our unlucky lounge tradition here in Montescrew Manor. If you are parked anywhere, staying cozy inside the room, feeling comfortable and staying safe, I want you right now to hold up a glass. I want you to celebrate with me. Friends, we are community, so let's go ahead and cheers as we have our untapped step. Yes, my unlucky lounge rats, today is a pouring kind of day. Borak, today, is that a honey whiskey you poured me? Well, it is delicious, if I may say. And yes, folks, I did say the word delicious, and I'm not afraid to admit it. So, our showdown is back. We've done these before. We're going to break down our Theros and Theros Beyond Death showdown with five different factors. Whichever set comes out of it with the most wins shall be determined the winner in this head-to-head -head showdown. And so, let's start off first with the top-down design of our two sets. In each of our corners, one set, one side, Theros versus Theros Beyond Death, we first looked at how each one handled the element of top-down design. Now, the Theros original set had the tone in place. It used the worlds of gods and myths and legends in the Greek pantheon to create the world of enchantment, of magic, of wonder, and the way that the enchantment and the gods and the stories and myths played into this, for lack of a better word, enchanting type feel made so much sense. And playing with the stars and the constellation mechanic and the entire feel of something greater or higher up than us gave Theros this top-down design feel that truly made it something to behold. You looked at the cards and you thought that resonance that you knew from just having a little bit of cursory knowledge of what Greek and Roman mythology was about. Think of Theros, the original, as kind of like, I would say, a sandbox of which we could build our very own myths and legends. And in some ways, it did. Some of those myths and legends we'll get to in just a little bit. But then out of nowhere, here comes Theros Beyond Death. It takes that sandbox and uses its hands to sculpt magnificent sculptures of castles that were these great individual card designs that made us look back at the whole set and say, whoa, we just hit these different myths out of the ballpark. Take a look at the first Iroh in games, the fact that that is the Olympics on a singular saga, or Illyrios being the myth of Narcissus. If Theros was the sandbox, and Theros Beyond Death was a master architect who took its shaping tools and created something so very special, 
and so very resonant. And so the point for top-down design, it goes to Theros Beyond Death, but for no fault of the original Theros set, because I believe if it were not for the establishing baseline of the original Theros set, we would never have a chance to see such refined designs in Theros Beyond Death. However, the point goes to the progeny, Theros Beyond Death. First point given out, let's go ahead and give out another. Let's talk about the mechanics found in each set. Let's start with the original Theros set. As it was the return of the enchantment blocks, all of the different mechanics had to play into that feel. Take, for example, first bestow. The ability for magic to try and make the idea of the aura less vulnerable. Bestow was, in a shorthand, the way of making a creature enchantment so that when the creature itself dies, the enchantment falls off and becomes the creature, or the stats that were, from the creature enchantment in itself. If you ask me, I adore Bestow. thought it was great. It was complicated. It was difficult. But when you get the Grok ability of it, the fact that the enchantment itself falls off and then becomes the creature equivalent of it, it makes sense. It is a bit of a rules nightmare, but still, it worked and it gave us a way to make enchantments less vulnerable. Then we have the reconfiguring of the Chroma mechanic, the idea of devotion. I like that devotion itself not only was a reframe of the original Chroma mechanic from Eventide, but it put it in its flavorful position that made sense with the gods and the pantheon of the world. So top-down design, check. But then on top of that, it's benefiting from the fact that we're playing in a mechanically sound plane that really focuses on having permanence on the battlefield. By allowing us to play off of the mechanical set and then creating this ETB trigger or floating generating effect that is devotion, it has this wonderful synergy that benefits you from keeping things on the battlefield. And as we can see, it created some, let's say, rather iconic things. For example, the Pantheon of Gods with the Devotion subclause, and of course, the idea of Gary. And we can't deny that Gary came back in Theros Beyond Death, so Devotion was a success in at least some ways. Then of course, we have the idea of Monstrous. Monstrous gave this feeling of humans versus monsters, had the dividing line that we would see come back in future sets. It had it in Throne of Eldraine with the humans versus the non-humans, and the mechanic itself, an activation ability that put counters on it, really feels a lot like what Simic did in Ravnica Allegiance, and you can't deny that the monstrous mechanic has long-lasting implications. Sad that we don't see it in the newest Theros set, but I can see why it kind of got pushed off to the side for more mechanical connection between all the themes. And then of course we have the heroic mechanic. Now the heroic mechanic has its issues. It has this idea of a trigger that when it gets targeted by a spell you get something. Now the thing is the heroic mechanic was so wide and overarching. Sometimes you got a counter, sometimes you had a, a sleep trigger, sometimes you drained your opponent or made them sacrifice a creature. The fact that the heroic trigger wasn't a unified clause really led to two big issues. One, 
a less than grok ability of each card and really required more focus in the entirety of the game state and two led to some real strong battle cruiser like mechanics but we'll talk about that a little bit later on when we get to gameplay overall the mechanics of the original theros not bad all played into the idea of the enchantment theme of the plane itself but let's flash forward and get to theros beyond death the mechanics here still have that same enchantment overlay not only that but we get the return of constellation the when an enchantment enters the battlefield gets something that happens in the original Theros block, they sandbagged this till the third set in the block, the journey to Nyx. And a lot of people thought, how in the world did we wait this long for Constellation to become a thing? And in some ways, I agree with that. We could have led with that and gotten a lot of strength out of the mechanic and a lot of play. But you still have to give it up for Watsi, still playing with the enchantment theme in subtle ways that weren't as knock-over-your-head obvious as the Constellation mechanic. So Constellation comes back in Theros Beyond Death and is a major player and really shapes the way that you have to focus in on your draft. Then we get the subtle return of the heroic mechanic. It showed up on a series of creatures in red and white that had the same heroic text but without the keyword. The difference is compared to the original Theros to Theros Beyond Death all of the heroic triggers were unified. They're all plus one, plus one to your entire field when you target this creature with a spell. And as a little tip of the hat, all the creatures themselves had hero in its text box. I really adored the way they brought this back, made it unified, and then gave a little subtle head nod to the original play of it. It made the red-white deck in Theros Beyond Death something very strong and something that has both a wide and a tall theme to it. I mentioned this in previous episodes, and as the set is played out and we've proven that red-white is a deck that has legs to it, I think the heroic mechanic in Theros Beyond Death is quite a bit stronger than the original. And then finally, we have the theme of Escape and the Graveyard Matters. The marquee mechanic of the set came strong and through as Green Self Mill has proven to be something that is so well positioned in the format. Not only that, but other content creators such as Lords of Limited and Limited Resources all outlie the fact that you can build a limited deck with more than 40 cards in it. That's exciting. That's something that you don't get to do often. Theros Beyond Death's escape mechanic gives us a way of configuring the graveyard in an enchantment matter set in a way that shapes us from the main overlying top-down story of Elspeth escaping the graveyard and giving us a completely new way of looking at the Theros plane. So all in all, I think escape is a fantastic mechanic that truthfully gives this set a different identity than the original Theros block and does so in a unique gameplay-esque type feeling. You have to take advantage of your graveyard in your limited play. If you don't, you're wasting an entire resource palette, which makes cards like Sentinel's Eyes and Mogus's Favor, cards that in maybe other limited formats would just get no play. In this one, they're key role players. Now, in Theros Beyond Death, we did get a little hintling of devotion. Part of it is, I think, to be able to establish the Theros gods back into Theros Beyond Death. 
but also has some application. We've got Reverend Hoplite, Gary's back, uh, we have Trinity Singer. It's a nice little touch that lends to the whole, you know, Battlefield Matters counter monopips, but wasn't as prevalent as I predicted earlier, and in some ways, that's okay. It's totally fine that we just get what we get with Devotion, and we don't need to elaborate too much beyond that. So putting these two things together, which of these two different mechanic sets, Theros versus Theros Beyond Death, gets the edge? Well, I'm gonna give the slight win once more to Theros Beyond Death. It takes the old mechanics, brings them back, looks at them in a new way, and the addition of the graveyard mechanic of escape, I think, makes for a wonderful, wonderful addition to the plane of Theros. Theros Beyond Death is now 2-0 versus the original Theros set. Can the original come back fighting out of the corner? Let's see if it can earn a point, its first point, when we look at the drafting of each set. The winner is Theros Beyond Death. It's not particularly close. Borak, I wish there was more to say about it, but it can't be very long-winded. Theros Beyond Death has great color combinations, pretty much any archetype is open, and finding your lane is relatively reasonable once you decide to find what you're being passed. It's just a better draft format. Dude, I'm not trying to cheat my unlucky lounge rats out of content, it's just better. I mean, try it with your category. What's the best bear amongst the two sets? See, that's what I'm talking about. You can maybe give an argument for the bestow 2 2 for 2, or maybe even battle-wise hoplite, but neither of them, even when you put them together, is better than Nessian Hornbeetle, our best bear we talked about before. Borok, it's just not close. I'm glad I made my point. I mean, Theros Beyond Death has already won, it's 4-0. Let's just go through the motions. Let's talk about gameplay in the limited environment. Well, classic Magic fans like myself, brace yourself because this victory is also gonna go to Theros Beyond Death. Spoilers! It's just a better constructed limited environment. You have aggressive decks, you have great removal, you've got long-term strategies and it allows you to play decks in rare circumstances that are more than 40 card decks. And the idea of self-milling, I love how that opens up a whole nother set of playable resources that you have to manage. The original Theros block, it's gonna hold a special place in my heart, if only because some of those mechanics when they came out, I treasured. Bestow, talked about it before, Devotion, supporting, putting more permanents on the battlefield, the Ordeal Cycle, I love the Ordeal Cycle from the original Theros set. But those things, led to some pretty hardcore battle cruiser style magic. You suit up your entire team with one thing and you just tap sideways and destroy their faces. The red-white decks in that format were completely egregious. Gary being a common in that set too led to some pretty uncontrollable win conditions. 
and the fact that it was a monocolor kind of skewed set but didn't necessarily have the same support release valves as say Throne of Eldraine had when they managed their monocolor formats and archetypes it just makes it a completely different thing and the point just got to go for the set that has more elegance and gameplay design and that's Theros Beyond Death and for those of you keeping score out there, I know it's been a close matchup, but a 5-0 clean landslide victory sweep goes to the newest set, Theros Beyond Death. So I guess it comes to the moment where we have to ask ourselves some questions. This episode came leading in from the previous episode about looking at planes, how they change over time, and what that change means. I think that looking at Theros Beyond Death, the original Theros set, and the whole block entirely, leads to some pretty inescapable conclusions that are worth looking at, if only for a little bit. First off, the most glaring difference to me is the fact that in Theros Beyond Death, it's a one-set kind of thing. We see an entire realization, a whole concept for what this entire revisit of the world is supposed to be, and execute itself without having the need to pay answer to future sets, while still leaving the door open to revisit Theros, of course. But compare that to the original Theros block. They have to fit in three sets worth of mechanics, while allowing the enchantment theme to pervade throughout the entirety of the block. It, as a designer, must have been quite a task to try and figure out how to do that. And they did it with some varying success. Bestow mechanic, great devotion, subtly hinting at permanence on the battlefield, all leading into having the constellation mechanic in Journey to Nyx. However, because it was so widespread, they had to sandbag that mechanic until the third and final set. This seems to me like a pretty clear writing on the wall, the start of an evolution of a change that R&D would eventually make, and that is removing the block format. I will miss the block format for multiple different reasons. It was great to be exploring a world for such a long time. I mean, look at what it led to us. It gave us the Ravnica set, letting us clearly flesh out what each guild and color combination upon that plane do and exist as. Defining Rakdos is kind of the sadistic party guild, the Selesnya guild, this wonderful, serene, in tune with nature kind of feel, or even the Izzetly, crazy experimentation that plays with ideas of order and chaos at the same time. And that probably doesn't exist in such a fleshed out way without the three block format. But now we're in a different time. We're in a time where R&D has the liberty to make the choices that they need to. And I hope that they do. I hope they continue to explore the limits of what they can do with a singular plane. I mean, right now I'm begging to see more of Throne of Eldraine. I want to see some other fairy tale stuff that we could possibly see. I wave the flag and the banner to see some new fairy tale planeswalkers or legendary commanders in the coming legendary commander draft format that's happening later this year. I'm so excited. Cannot wait. 
But this idea of being able to hold the suspense and being able to figure out where we can revisit these planes and I guarantee the next time we see some of these revisited planes and singleton sets, we're going to see such defined and clear ways of putting their things together. It's not going to tie their hands together. What else is different, though, between this Theros Beyond Death and the original? Well, for one thing, game design in Limited has changed so significantly. The deepness of playables leads to us being able to create commons and uncommons that are good not just overall because they're strong, but because they're good in certain decks. That is not something we could necessarily attest to as much in the original Theros set. Things were good, or they really weren't. Not a lot of wiggle room between. But now, with the way that we're designing our commons and uncommons with specific archetypes in mind, it's going to lead us down a whole new exploration of how deep card pools can be, and how we can design for a set as a whole and not just to create powerful cards or things that are inside of a theme. Personally, I think that the comparison between Theros and Theros Beyond Death is going to give us a perspective to show that we're in a prime time of magic gameplay. Right now, the economy of the game is in flux. The rise of the digital platform is causing some things like the reserve list to dip down or the secret lair product to really change the way that magic is selling to people. And I think it's important for us to situate that this is still at its heart a game. A game that deserves play and deserves sociability. And we should adore that we are in a renaissance of new game design that's going to allow us to have repeated play with these same cards, highlight discoveries and new playthroughs, and allow us to keep this game beautiful, thorough, and something that is worth revering. So let us take a moment to appreciate just how much game design has come through over the years. Let's celebrate it by going out, playing some more drafts, having some fun, and enjoying planeswalking throughout the planes. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode of Draft and Draft. But as always, I want to hear what you think. Am I completely wrong in just thinking how far and wide the gap between Theros and Theros Beyond Death is? Is it really a 5-0 sweep? Do you disagree with any of my judgments? Please, I want to hear your opinion. Find me on Twitter, that is Draft and Draft Corey. Find me on my Instagram, locate my Patreon. Let me know what you think. Well, folks, we've reached the end of this episode just as I've reached the bottom of my glass. So, until next time... We'll see you planeswalking around the multiverse, and I hope to see you join us once more here in the Unlucky Lounge for another episode of Draft and Draft. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.